0: Welcome back, Tales of Glory listeners. I'd like to welcome back our two listeners and two dogs. I think again we're still increasing in size, so maybe have two more listeners, maybe four listeners and two dogs. I don't know if you're out there, but we appreciate you tuning in to listen, and we've got another great show for you tonight. Um, we're gonna be covering the topic of forgiveness. And I'm hopefully I'm covering a different aspect in which you haven't heard of this before. It's kind of a down the road hindsight being you know 2020 here type thing right that we're looking back at something and how did we get to this understanding of forgiveness and what's going on like I said I'm, I'm down the road as a deliverance minister I never really considered myself a deliverance minister because all the weird stuff I see on the streets I was dealing with the occult and it wasn't really stuff that was deliverance ministry it was stuff with like dealing with the supernatural and spiritual warfare of a different nature I keep calling the Mark 929 ministry. However, my training did involve deliverance and different aspects of church deliverance, different aspects of doctrinal corporate church deliverance. And it just got me to where I am down the road 10 years later, right? I'm um, actually probably more than that. Where are we at now? I was probably officially doing this stuff about 2007. So what we 10 years down the road? I don't know. I don't know. And <laughs> do the math. Anyhow, so tonight we are going to dive in to chapter four of my book a field guide to advanced spiritual warfare and that's the chapter on forgiveness here we go let's launch some slides here like i said if you're listening on spotify you're just getting the audio version but i do over on youtube too you can find me in a field guide to spiritual warfare you can find uh, the link to the youtube video which we just get to see my face which was meant for broadcasting and not video you know so they say so we are in my book a field guide to advance spiritual warfare deliverance exorcism and healing the effects of ritual abuse okay so again if you're watching youtube there's my pedigree i even added haiti this time so if you've been listening in i go i keep reading add haiti to my missionary and spiritual warfare area ethiopia guyana vietnam cambodia and haiti and my very own backyard right in the streets of san francisco i am michael norton i am your host and if you're watching on YouTube, there's the book there, Advanced Spiritual Warfare book we're talking about. I recommend picking this up as you go through the show, just so you can make notes in the book, and I'm gonna just add stuff that's happened since then, and my experiences since I wrote this book was about three years ago. So you're always growing in the ministry, so I wanna make sure you have the book in front of you and just add notes to it, you know, write in the book. Make it make it your, your field guide, right? That's what this is. So, A Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare, um, as you can see, we're in forgiveness. We've already kept, um, covered the first four chapters, Introduction to Deliverance Ministry, Sin in the Soul, Spiritual Alignment, Salvation in the Soul, and now we're in forgiveness. I guarantee you, this isn't going to be a version of forgiveness you've heard in um, your corporate deliverance classes. This is something different. This is I'm going to cover it from the fact that I've seen a lot of trauma. I've seen a lot of severe trauma, and I've seen a lot of areas where the church doesn't understand dark forgiveness. And that's the road I'm taking you down tonight, right? Um, What do we do if it's a dark forgiveness? And we have a soul wound, we have multiple personalities carved out from this. How do we handle that forgiveness that's horrific? And that's what I wanna cover for you tonight. Other books are out there too, that are cookie cut. Learn about, you just need to forgive, that's all, right? We do need to forgive, but sometimes we've been severely damaged by the enemy. That's very difficult for us to forgive and that's what i want to walk you through tonight forgiveness biblical forgiveness is to release one from an offense and allow god to be the one who assigns judgment right that's the typical standard de- definition of forgiveness that we need to respect and obey because along a lot of lines 90 percent of time that's what we need to do so matthew 6 14 through 15 this is how important forgiveness is for if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your Heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive you your wrongdoing, right? So forgiveness is key here. It's it's imperative. So I want to cover something here. It's, it's in the field guide to as to, the opening story, but I want to expand on it in the way you guys haven't heard of this because this is what really shaped me and how God used me to steer me out of deliverance ministry and start looking at, the depth and darkness of people are enduring for in this, this topic of forgiveness in the church that most pastors don't know how to handle. They'll admit it's there. They don't know how to handle it. And I call this story, the, topic of, or the title of this story is That Fateful Night. What is That Fateful Night? Let me set it up. I was teaching cleansing stream classes, right? I was teaching them for years at my old church. And... I started gaining experience. I noticed that after Cleansing Streams retreats, many of the people weren't healed, but they were worse off than when they went to the retreat. How can that be, Mike? It was deliverance. It was supposed to be good. Yeah, it was. If it was standard Aussie and Harriet deliverance, where nothing's really going wrong in the family, if the family wasn't dysfunctional, or they did something horrible, or you know, they they had premarital sex, or you know, something like that. Um, cleansing Streams was great for that. But we have some deep, dark traumas that the corporate deliverance ministers do not understand whatsoever. And so this loops me back to, I was teaching cleansing streams. And one of the things I used to do at cleansing streams on the very last session, we had like 12 sessions we met for, so like 12 weeks, I think. And the very last night, we always had this course on forgiving your earthly father. And after I taught that course, Most of the people in there were more messed up (laughs) and, and just triggered by stuff and they weren't prepared to go for the retreat. It just made things worse. What went wrong? Okay. So I presented my information deliverance minister over, you know, I I taught it for a couple of years ago. Hey, look guys, if you're going to do this healing with the earthly father thing, let's do it six weeks into the course. Where we have a chance to teach basic deliverance basic forgiveness and give these people like six weeks to help build up some sort of strength to enter healing for the forgiveness for their their earthly father well what cleansing streams did was they threw it to the very first session so i didn't have a chance to discuss anything yet and when i caught this i went to my senior pastor hey you can't do this you can't throw this you know healing earthly father in the very first session of cleansing streams, they wanted me to just play the videotape. That's what he was saying. Just play the videotape. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Well, I was told just do as you're told. That was the response. They didn't want to listen to why I had this data and this information. As a, you know, I've been through I don't know countless exorcisms, countless <laughs> by this time, right? It wasn't my first rodeo. I was carrying a lot of data, so that was their attitude, right? Just just do as the corporate people tell you, and not as the Holy Spirit leads you. I'm going. Oh my God. Fine. I should have said no. I should have walked out right then and there, but I went. <laughs> That night and taught the first course, put their their um, DVD in, played the video. Within three minutes, I probably had like 15 women and over three quarter were triggered, bawling, wailing, emotions out of their control. And I had uh, this one lady sitting there. Let's call her the leading tithe lady. And she was staring at me like this, aghast, look like, what the hell have you done, Mike? <laughs> you know, it's like. And what she was freaking out about was when I stopped the video, just getting triggered, and I had the Holy Spirit enter the room and start ministering to him. Well, this one woman was freaked out what was going on. And to see this woman start, you know, stop wailing and just go into peace and like, what the heck is this thing Mike brought into the room? It's not in the textbook. What is he doing? You know, I'm ministering. I'm ministering the Holy Spirit. This was a triage. This was an emergency situation. So anyway... <laughs> I got called in by the pastor uh, like the next day. He's, um, he goes, can you just teach a class the way you're told? Can you just do it as you're told? And I go, I did. I did teach as I was told. And then I had to triage because of what I relayed to you. You did not respect the information I gave you. And this is what happened. Well, such and such called in when I was at a football game and she told me what you were doing. I go, what was I doing? And he just kind of looks at me perplexed. I go, I was ministering through the Holy Spirit. Please tell me how you're going to reprimand me on that one, right? Um, And things went back and forth. And I was just, I walked out. I was done with that church, right? There was something really wrong with that church. Um, It turns out there was a stronghold of homosexuality in the church. And it it stemmed from the high tither, right? And there was something going on doing the pastor's family. So there was this demonic stronghold that fought it. And i couldn't be in there holy spirit says you gotta get out you'll leave and this ironically was that night i shared with you guys before about how holy spirit sent me on a, a vacation to maui this coincided with the vacation to maui right there was something weird going on god goes i need to get you out i need to talk to you so i'm gonna send you off somewhere and just you know and i never went back to that church afterwards you know it was it was it was a weird situation and the whole thing that god opened my eyes to was how damaged in suburbia people are to their earthly father that they can't go their heavenly father, nor do they have a compass in any way to forgive their earthly father. You know, we're going to talk about these things too. And What am I talking about? I'm talking about people that survivors of severe trauma in childhood whether their dad's alcoholics, where they severely abused, were they physically abused, sexually abused, right? We had a lot of this molestation going on The women in those rooms, are, they're crying. And we had a few ritual abuse. One individual I had that was working with also on the side on counseling, she was a foster child um, ritual abuse survivor. And through her court trial, she put her foster dad away for 200 years. So I'm talking about severe trauma I'm working with here and the stuff that the church didn't want to deal with or handle because they had the cookie-cutter corporate doctrinal way of forgiveness, which is, is it biblical? Yeah, but it's not corporate deliverance is the answer what's the question that's the problem here there are ways where jesus has to walk out severe dark forgiveness and it takes a while it could be it could be decades to walk this out as long as you're working on it you're not in trouble right it, it has some weird twists to it and i'm going to cover those tonight so i hope this is an eye opener for some of you ministries out there oh my god that's what's going on that's why a lot of people don't heal from deliverance ministry right because there's this there's this, just this severe wound, whether it divided them in their soul spiritually, and you know and they, have, they have fragmented souls. It's called dissociative identity disorder, or they have severe heart wounds or something, right? Um, it's not identified by the corporate church. I know a lot of exorcists uh, talk about this too, because a lot of times the demonic attached to heart wounds, or they attach to dissociative identity disorders. But we'll talk about this. So let's leave some background notes if that wasn't good enough here. Why were people not healing after releasing forgiveness during a deliverance ministry session? That was my question in the back of my mind. Why were these people not being healed? If forgiveness was so liberating, why was I not seeing healing? Okay. An inexperienced deliverance minister, which myself, will try to brute force forgiveness. I'm talking to myself about 2007. Mike, back in 2007, don't do this. Deliverance prayer ministers will lead the person through some forgiveness prayers. That's what we're taught to do. Angry and fractured, dissociated human parts will surface that the minister will mistake as demonic spirits. Ding, 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 ding. Pay attention. In deliverance ministry, releasing forgiveness is beneficial in expelling demons, right? It's, it's, it's imperative, We know, we have to have forgiveness to expel the demon. Yes, this is important. In deliverance ministry, is it a deliverance situation? That's what I'm telling you, what are you dealing with? inner healing or something demonic. If it's both, you have to probably deal with the inner healing first. In inner healing, forgiveness is a very long walk out with Jesus. It's uphill. How long does the walk take? The answer always is as long as it takes. Days, weeks, months, years. In my experience with severe trauma, the answer is usually years. I'm going to say decades, okay? Depending on how much work somebody's putting into this thing, right? It's decades. When dealing with soul wounds or severe trauma, and we'll discuss these, prematurely releasing forgiveness can be detrimental to the healing process, right? We may not get a real healing from it. And the person thought they got healed and they go, why am I back to this? Why is this happening? Is something wrong with me? Am I demon- demonically possessed, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, 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 it trips into a cycle, right? It's triggering. Yes, the Bible says we are to forgive 70 times seven. But I believe Jesus was referring to a typical offense against an individual. Like the offense I have with the pastor, I had to forgive him 70 times seven. It was a walkout, right? Because it was a betrayal um, in my court, but I'm f- still working on it. You know, I th- I thought I forgave him and God, Jesus will bring something back on a trial. Oh my God, I didn't forgive him completely. Oh, I you know work on that, right? So God will bring stuff up. It's, it's, it's a process. Healing and forgiveness is a process. You know, I'm, I'm knowing a lot farther down the road than I was back when this happened um, a couple of years back, four or five years ago and I'm farther down the road with it. But you know, it was such a betrayal because that was something I looked up to, right? So that's where it took a long walk for forgiveness for me to walk out. But there was no fracturing or anything like that. So I'm saying in, in some situations, if it's just a dark tear or heart wound, it could take a while to walk out. So what I observed through deliverance ministry is that the corporate church doesn't have a true grasp or understanding of how to lead the severely traumatized through forgiveness. This is not Pertain to all pastors. I know some great pastors out there who figured this out, right? But I'm saying a lot of them out there, usually if they're the head of a large corporate church, they haven't figured this out yet. So they bring in this this cleansing stream stuff. Like I said, it, it's it gets good for people who aren't severely traumatized. I'd have you somebody take a test first before they went into that to see if they have any dark heart wounds, they molested, stuff like that. The, the cleansing streams may not be for them. Sorry, I said it. And that comes from a very experienced deliverance minister who's done exorcisms. I'm a Christian counselor. Um, I work with fractured people and fractured souls. And that is my take on it. Um, I know it's cleansing streams is big, but anything like that, it, it doesn't understand the problem yet. It doesn't, because it's still patting itself on the shoulder for casting out demons. And, and I mean, I, there's more I can go down the road with why I don't care for cleansing streams anymore. And a number of it is the the prideful ministers, these these corporate pastors who think they're they can cast out demons and exorcists you're sitting there shaking your head what they're doing and they're jumping into your deliverance and they're interrupting with it and being a disruptive spirit I've seen a lot of that man I just I was just disgusted and, and left it walked away from it so back in 2012 I attended the Roman Catholic Southern California renewal communities conference on exorcism okay this is, this is something that's held by the Catholics it's not always on exorcism' But it's, it's, it was a huge conference in, in Southern California. It was Anaheim. I should have went to Disneyland. I was right across the street, but I didn't do it. <laughs> I wanted to go to Disneyland with some nuns and ride a roller coaster, but I didn't think anyone would go. And it turns out later, a bunch of nuns went to Disneyland and ride a roller coaster. I wanted a selfie of that on a roller coaster the Matterhorn or something with a bunch of nuns, right? That been a cool picture. Anyhow, didn't happen. Didn't transpire. Didn't think quick enough. So back to the SCRC, Conference on Exorcism. One of the lecturers was an exorcist in the Chicago Archdiocese named Father Jeff Grobe. Father Grobe gave a very illuminating talk on forgiveness that resonated with what I witnessed in my ministry sessions. I'm going, oh my God, this guy's seen it. He's an exorcist. I took meticulous notes, and I have since rehashed his talk on more than one occasion. Um, I've presented it several times. Several years back, M16 Ministries held monthly deliverance and healing prayer sessions at my old church called Miracles and Warfare. There was a lot of good information in Father Gobb's talk that people attending miracles warfare absolutely loved it. So I was sharing this information a lot. So um, some years later, my presentation notes have evolved and they went into the field guide to advanced spiritual warfare, the chapter four. But the basis of the discussion has roots in what Father Grubb presented at the SCRC, Conference on Exorcism, okay? I now use this information in counseling sessions with people who are severely traumatized. This is great info because they want to know why they can't forgive. I'm going to share some stuff here that's going to spin your head on what charismatics believe forgiveness is, you know, what we believe forgiveness is, and what you actually have to do sometimes when the trauma is so severe. And it's not going to sound good, but it's how you walk people out of this stuff, okay? And I'll cover it line by line here. So the necessity of releasing forgiveness first requires that an individual has had an offense committed against them, right? So if they can release forgiveness, what was the offense? In legal terms, we would define the person who received the offense as a victim, right? An offense can be minor or it can be traumatic. Through a hardened heart or severe trauma, a soul may choose not to forgive an offender. When the soul chooses not to forgive is in a state of unforgiveness, and this is not good. Unforgiveness is an obsessive state of negative emotions of ill will against the violator. Souls in this state can be stuck and not desire to seek the release from the offender of the violation. When the soul is stuck in a state of vengeful anger or state of victimhood, it is not moving forward in healing and the soul chooses to forgive begins to move forward in its healing process, right? A soul that chooses to forgive begins to move forward in its healing process. This is the stuff I want to start getting the souls that are just stuck. And triggered by to start moving forward, and that's what we're going to present tonight. So the following list is Father Grubbs' lecture. I have added my comments this over the years, right? So I've added to this. I call this list the dynamics of forgiveness. Father Grubbs' talk helps illustrate the complexities of the soul as it tries to arrive at a place where it can release forgiveness to an offender. These are the conditions the minister and the prayer recipient must understand to prepare for releasing forgiveness. So, we're going to enter into um, what I call a dynamic of forgiveness. And forgiveness is not forgetting what happened to you, right? The faculties of the soul do not magically forget the offense. Remember faculties? We're dealing with St. Teresa of Avila, right? What's going on here? The imagination, right? The intellect, right? And our memories. There's a clear awareness of the offense committed and the desire to move forward with inner healing, right? Okay. So, Number one, forgiveness is not being in denial to your traumatic experiences. The soul must recognize the offense and the heart must deal with the resulting suffering. The soul has certainty that the offense committed against it was real and not imagined. The offense actually happened, right? So let's stop here because I work a lot with dissociative identity disorder. and We call type B trauma. Something bad happened. Type B trauma is abusive behavior say that a child had a a alcoholic father was this verbally abusive physically abusive could have been sexually abusive and we go the far end of the spectrum of abuse which is ritual abuse where horrific things happen during satanic rituals and i'm going to add two i now have kids that were survivors of uh, "Train up how to tramp your child book and it was in the hands of wrong people i don't know what the intent of that book was i'm just going to call it bad and not good and that may raise some eyebrows here too But some horrible people got a hold of this book and just beat their children. But as I'm finding out too, training up your child actually probably got in the hands of closet Satanists who presented themselves as pastors or religious families. And I also call it ritual abuse because during the day, the twisted form of the scriptures was presented to help reinforce um, domination and slaves of children where they're forced to do chores all the way to sexual abuse. And when I encounter people like this there's child parts inside them that don't want to believe that dad sexually abused them yet it's showing up in dreams and yet other parts coming up saying hey you were sexually abused right it's not something I'm bringing up I let this stuff bubble up because I don't I want the true story right I'm in a crime scene I can't tamper with the evidence and I can't you know make sure I don't introduce anything that doesn't belong there but this stuff that bubbles up so during the traumatic experience, usually somebody with DID from severe trauma, there are parts of them that don't want to believe that the molestation happened, yet there's parts of them that do believe it, right? And say, hey, this did happen. So there's this conflict going on in the mind. And then there's also a blank area where the memory is just gone, right? And not just the memory itself, the memory and around those years or those months is just gone. So another controlling part locked it down. It's not letting the person see it in fear it's too horrific for them to handle. All right, so we must establish the offense actually happened, and that may take a while in session you know, counseling sessions. You know, I've had some people, it's taken years, I saw what happened right away by the story. Like things didn't add up, and oh my God, this is leading towards sexual molestation. But I don't say that, right? I let them figure it out. Sometimes it comes out when child parts come up and do drawings and stuff, you know, oh my God, what's that, right? And you have to let them figure it out. Forgiveness requires more than just willpower of the soul, choosing to heal is a step. To receiving healing. A false deliverance ministry doctrine is that the heart instantaneously heals. Inner healing is a process that takes time. Jesus knows how long it will take for an individual to heal. Healing takes as long as it takes. Now you're going to keep hearing this from me. Just because somebody doesn't heal right away and you, oh, we, we release forgiveness, and you must, you must be holding back on something or keeping the doorway open. No, something horrific must have happened to them that they don't have the tools or the capabilities or or, or been through counseling to walk them out of that healing, right? Or walk them out of that forgiveness. And it's just, you know, it's, it takes more than willpower. It's, it's hard. They have to be helped. And the truth, it's always the truth has to surface. Sometimes it surfaces in the form of this, um, a memory servicing, a painful memory. Like it, when God releases a memory, it's like a volcanic eruption when it comes up. It's, a, it's It may come up shaking a heart or something like that. And it's a true memory. It's been released, and that happens through the Holy Spirit, through healing. Forgiveness can't be given on demand from a wounded heart. The soul can't be forced to forgive, right? Forgiveness is an active will of the soul and is released from the heart, right? I want to pick on some things here because through my experience, I've seen some, especially if you're in satanic ritual abuse survivor, I worked with some people that came out of shabar which is out of Bethel Church. It's their form of dealing with dissociative identity disorder and um, satanic ritual abuse. It's horrible. Don't put yourself to that. I had people that came to me afterwards where the shabar people thought forgiveness was everything. So they sent the survivor back to their dad to ask for forgiveness. Okay, dad's a perpetrator, right? Dad's programmed. And this is just ignorance on what the occult is when you send your these people that are um, hurting back to ask their dad for forgiveness because dad programmed them and dad can trigger them and they're back to not going to forgiveness. They're back to being accessed sexually or, or, or occult-like or something like that because these people in Shabar didn't understand the occult. So if you have dissociative identity disorder, stay away from SOZOs, And stay away from Shabar. It just is what it is. Unfortunately, what I've encountered was damaged people needed healing themselves were the ministers in Shabar and Sozo, right? They're either SRA survivors who haven't been fully healed, or they're people who had traumatic experiences like type B trauma, and they're looking for help themselves. And they thought this made them feel good. So now you have a traumatic person who's not fully healed, shouldn't be ministering, ministering to a person that has a type B trauma. You see the dangers? It is what it is. You know, it's stay away. And I'm allowed to say that this is my show. I could say it cause I, I've seen their through experience. I've seen, I've seen horrible things. Just, uh, I don't know. It's covered in my book too. I'll, I, I'm going to cover some stories here. Um, I have it documented. So when we get to that, I'll bring those stories up, but right now let's focus on forgiveness. So as a counselor, do not send type B trauma people back to their parents or family for forgiveness. In fact, if the type B trauma was occurred from the family, our recommendation is that they stay away from the family until they heal. Christmas, Thanksgiving, everything. You're sending them back in to be re-triggered. If it's SRA, you're sending them back into the, the the Lions den to be reprogrammed. So it is best that they stay away from their families. And in the meantime, you work on them with forgiveness, right? They don't have to be present in front of the person to for- release forgiveness on them, Right? And you'll have parts that don't release forgiveness so i said this is a long walk this is complicated right is your head already spinning Um, (laughs) it should be because this is what we need to be aware of in the church um, you can have a congregation of 100 and i bet you you have at least one to three ritual abuse survivors in your congregation it's that widespread or somebody with type b trauma so learn to understand them don't be frustrated by them four forgiveness is not a magical do-over button like I said, right? Send the, send the 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 survivor back into the lion's den. Hey, all's forgiven. You know, love and joy, love and joy, bliss, bliss. That's the charismatic thing, right? It's dangerous. So it's not a do-over. Forgiveness is just like, hey, it's acknowledgement it happened, and it's acknowledgement as a Christian in your heart. You need to forgive the person, and we'll discuss this. What does that mean? What does that look like? Ah. Remember, forgiveness does not restore a relationship back to where it was before the offense. Like I said, um, I was working with, uh, I mentioned earlier in the story, I was working with a a girl who put away her foster dad for 200 years, and she hated her foster dad for what he did to her, but she had child parts, she was so badly fractured, who wanted dad back and do anything to get him back, but at the same time, they feared him, right? So there's no way a relationship could be restored there. No way in SRA if the dad's you know, still part of the SRA stuff and he's still programming people or the family. You know, um, I've dismissed people on my counseling who came for SRA help because they brought their mother with them to sit in. And I go, oh, you can't do this. Well, she's my support. I looked at the mom and she was triggering. I go, are you SRA also? She goes, yeah. And I go, no, I can't help you. I can't help either of you. I said, if your daughter wants help, she needs to move out of your house, far and away and not see you for a couple of years as I help her. And the mom just got mad and walked out. I said, that's, that's how we have to help them. We have to shut down the accessing because mom's sitting there observing everything I'm doing to unprogram the daughter. And she's going to go home at midnight and reprogram the daughter for what I unprogrammed (laughs) The light bulb going on. It's a mess. So that's why they can't be around their families as they get healed. Forgiveness moves the heart and soul into the process of healing, right? So it's a choice. You know, I'm I'm feeling horrible. I can't stand this person. I don't even want to think about them. I'm going to release my retribution and, and revenge on them and into your judgment. That's what I'm going to do. That's step one. I'm not going to take revenge on this person, God. I'm going to release them to your judgment. So forgiveness moves the heart and soul in the process of healing. When you do that, you're stepping into, I'm no longer a victim. I'm going to be a survivor, and I'm looking for healing. Forgiveness does not mean giving up one's right for seeking justice, right? If you gotta put him in jail, put him in jail. So that's, forgiveness doesn't mean, oh, you know, this this person you know brutally raped me for years like the foster dad did. No, she put him in jail. And now he's in jail and he's serving time. But she sought justice, right? And in counseling, we worked on for- receiving forgiveness, right? Because he kept showing up in dreams and all this other stuff, he kept haunting her. So we had to release forgiveness with the fact that he's locked up and we'll never see him again so that's what we're doing here forgiveness does not mean abandoning justice there are consequences for people's actions right so if a dad is abusive and constantly molests the daughter you know i had one client that worked with me and she kept saying she didn't know why she kept fear her dad you know she had multiple identities from it and she said she, whenever she was around her dad, she always had to lock her door at night. I think you know that was a telltale sign there that some sort of molestation was going on, right? But we can't bring it to the surface and I really don't reflect that or tell that to them until I hear more and until she comes in, she goes, Mike, do you think my dad molested me? And I us well, explore that, right? It has to get to that on their own initiative. And we just don't build up, oh yeah, that's what it is. Because I've seen counselors do that and it's horrible. You know, <laughs> it's bad. Forgiveness does not mean excusing the offender. It's not an absolution of the offense, nor do you have to restore any contact relationship with the offender to forgive. Remember I said that. If you're a, a satanic ritual abuse survivor or a, a religious abuse survivor, separate from your family because you're going to go back and be reprogrammed and retriggered by them. I got a couple of families right now that are what I call Christian ritual abuse from train up your child. I also think they're... Um, there's some borderline satanic ritual abuse in there, too, because I'm, I'm starting to find night parts in, the, in the, these people. And there's also you know stuff that dad sexually abused them, too. So it's been difficult for me to work with these people because they want so much to have a family. And on Thanksgiving and in Christmas, you know, and they're alone, it's like, no, you can't. You, got, you can't go back to them. You can get reprogrammed. So, so this is a note to survivors needing to reestablish relationships with your family don't. If you're still being accessed through nightmares and dreams, that's how witchcraft does it. Or you still feel like you're being whisked off somewhere and you wake up somewhere and like, wow, I felt I was accessed, but I can't prove it. Remove any and all contact from your family and move out of state or whatever you have to do to get rid of them, get away from them. Forgiveness does not demonstrate moral superiority. It doesn't mean you're better than the offender, right? Forgiveness demonstrates strength from the heart and will of the soul. Forgiveness helps restore the damaged inner dignity, right? So we're just going to help go through what was damaged and build a strength in the person that they can move forward in their healing now because whatever's going to happen to the, the perpetrator did this to them, God's going to deal with them, you know? And what's going to happen if those persons fall down except Jesus Christ? That happens a couple of times too. Can you forgive that person now as Jesus did? That That's a tough one, right? but I do have some women who are just like Christian mystics I work with too, or just they don't want to see their perpetrators go to hell. This is how far they've come in their healing, right? There's still a lot of healing going on, but even though their perpetrators did horrific things to them, horrific things beyond your imagination, guys, beyond the worst Hollywood horror flick, um, beyond the exorcist scenes, all that, they did horrific things, these guys. Their inner heart is that these guys don't go to hell that did this to them. A lot of them were their parents, right? Right? or family members, uncles, you know, who are all involved in this. So forgiveness does not mean leaving it all for God, right? God is not the only component at work. There is the issue of emotional wounds the offender may have left inside the heart. As the heart heals and memories or offensive thoughts surface, the soul must work under God's grace and mercy when these arise. Healing and forgiveness is a journey, right? Sanctification. When these memories arise, get yourself to a Christian counselor who knows about how to deal with dissociative identity disorder, right? Or has worked with some ritual abuse. I found out a lot of charismatic ones that use a prophetic are not very good Christian counselors for ritual abuse. It just it's gotten too weird and wonky. And a lot of these counselors were the reason I shut down my Skypes. Because when I was helping people with Skype, these counselors would call me and, hey, I need your help, I need your help. And I build something up, and then they'd have this prophetic thing from God that went contrary to what I did during a counseling session, and it was going backwards and forwards and sideways. So it was mainly because the charismatic Christian counselors who don't know what they're doing were screwing up some of the, the Skype sessions we had in inner healing, it, it got bad. It got really bad, and that wasn't the most of it. There was there was other, you know, it was hard to work with a uh, SRA people. The first couple times off too, because they wouldn't listen. Right? They 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 thought they knew how to heal themselves. Yet here they were stuck. So it's um it's a journey, and you need to find the right people to work with, right? And get them on your team. And I'm trying to give you information here what to look for. So if yeah, you you'll pick up most of it throughout this book. I'm not I'm not going to rattle off here. But here, forgiveness is not mean leaving it all for God, right? Okay, God, I'm going to push this off to you. No, you got work to do. You got some work to do in your heart. Does this person pe- keep popping up in my heart, and I get angry about them too? You know, and that's just that's some of the work you gotta push out, right? Even if you're not don't have dissociative identity disorder, if you have a heart wound, like I said, I got a heart wound from that pastor, man. I had to I had to work it out, had to work it out. And every now and then, every couple of years, something come up, and I get angry. Oh no, I can't do that. That's that's wrong. I forgave that person, right? It's like yeah, you just, you stick on the road to forgiveness, and it's you stick to your rules. I choose to forgive this person, right? So ministering to forgiveness. When you're administering forgiveness, you must discern if the individual's heart and soul are ready for the step. Some people will not be. I have some people are not ready to forgive their dad yet for what happened. So it's, you work on other stuff to get in there. Some trauma is so severe that the individual you're ministering to may be considered a survivor, right? Are they a survivor of um, training up your child? Are they a survivor of ritual abuse, sexual abuse? You know, I worked with people who are trafficking. I worked with a one young lady who was trafficked by her, her, her uncle, right, and um, they did, child porn with her and it took a lot of work and she wasn't raised she was very angry inside right so trauma was life-threatening or was overwhelming emotional abuse if the individual experienced the trauma as a child and when put in exclusively repeatedly he might have dissociative identity disorder right that's where the mind fractures and the trauma trauma perpetrator was one or both of his parents a lot of ritual abuse people don't see it their parents were the perpetrators, right? It was very erased. Like, we were loving parents. We don't know how this happened. You know, a lot of times I see the fingerprint all over it. The, the parents were involved, and parts will tell me that, but the, the the core person up there doesn't want to believe it. So it's, again, separating from their parents. Don't go back to your family if things are ritual abuse. Do not. Okay, so I got to know here. What is dissociative identity disorder? Okay, so we have normal freight flight, right? Something bad happens. The analogy I like to use is like, say you're you're a surfer, because I live out here in California, right? And we have these big great white sharks, something like 12 to 15 feet long. And you're out surfing on a surfboard and this thing just bumps your surfboard. They are not kayakers out, they get aggressive, right? And bumps your surfboard and you just oh my gosh, you just paddle like crazy back to shore. You're huffing and puffing. You're, your heart rate's shooting out of control there. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And you decide, okay, I'm not surfing ever again. <laughs> That's it, I'm done. And probably after an hour or so, your mind goes, okay, I'm okay to get in my car and drive somewhere. I'm going home. I'm out of this place. We'll say some other person goes, well, you know, it only happened to me once. And so I'm going to go back out in the water, right? And maybe after 20 times, they bump 20 times, they no longer fear the shark bumping them, And it wasn't they were conditioned by it. It's like, I'm gonna talking about me. Let's say it looks like a kid, like six years old, right? So the kid had so much fear from the shark. it, The brain, through the grace of God, right? Because kids can't handle trauma. So what God did was he, he lets the brain fracture, right? He let's the soul fracture, excuse me. And into parts that can handle trauma. So now this little six-year-old is seeing a shark probably every day and it bumps his surfboard all the time. But he has a part that can handle it. Right? And he gets back to shore and switches back in. You may not even remember if the shark was out there. Right? So, according to him, there's no sharks out there. And when it does happen, the brain goes, okay, I got a part that can handle the shark that bumped my surfboard. So, it's kind of a weird analogy, but it's kind of help you out, right? So, when the fright flight happens repeatedly with the same kind of trauma, the amygdala sends a signal like, okay, let's create a partition the hard drive here for some memory that can handle this sort of fright, right? And that's what Satanists do. Satanists deliberately carve up the mind with excessive terror. So the, there's multiple parts, multiple identities in a person for satanic ritual abuse. So there's probably thousands of parts that are designed to do different rituals and be partic- participate in different rituals. And that's called, um, you know, that's called programming when they divide up the mind on purpose like that. And that's dissociative identity It's multiple identities. And, you know, it's, it can happen, too, when dad was an abusive drunk. It doesn't have to be SRA, right? Say um, a guy was an abusive drunk and his daughter's like four years old and he goes, you're an ugly daughter. You'll never amount to anything. You're horrible. You know, you're, you know, why would a guy ever love you? And it keeps going on until she's like through her teens. And so now she has multiple identities to deal with her dad because her dad was a drunk abusive, right? And we get to the point two teens where now dad's molesting and sexually abusive and she starts developing parts to handle that. So that's dissociative disorder. It's not demonic. The process by which it happens is demonic, but it's not the presence of demons. It's the mind has been fractured, you know, and fragmented. It's just a tough thing to deal with. Okay, I also have heart wounds and soul wounds. What's a heart wound? Okay, a heart wound is a lower end of the spectrum of dissociative disorder. It's where something just, they can't get over something. My classic one I, I remember seeing when I was ministering to was this guy was a farmer all his life. He hated being a farmer. He wanted to go off to college to be a kid, but if you're the oldest male in a family, you had to stay behind and learn the farming business, right? And stay in it. But yet his sister got to go off to law school and become a lawyer, so he hated his sister, right? He could never have a good relationship because she got to go off to school and she got to make a choice, but he never did. That's a soul wound, right? And it has to be walked out. And usually it doesn't involve a fracturing. It's just it's such a painful thing. Like my my future was denied me, and it's a heart wound now, right? And these people are responsible, and I don't like them because of it. And I always hated this job, and it's because of them I'm here, right? It's kind of like that sort of thing. So it's you know it's it, it's a heart that's a heart soul wound. You hear that pretty much. Either it's called a heart wound or a soul wound. I've heard it called two different things, but they're the same. And that's how it differs from dissociative identity disorder where it's no fracturing. It's just a painful heart wound. that's where the demons get in, you know, that's like, okay, let's be angry at her sister. Then let's, let's stir up stuff there. Ministering to forgiveness. To start ministering forgiveness, you must be certain that the offense or traumatic action has stopped. The person must be in a safe place emotionally and physically. If their soul is in this place, the first step is for the individual is to recognize their pain. The survivor of severe trauma must understand that their hearts has permission to hurt. The revelation of trauma does not give them permission to feel sorry for themselves. Like self-pity, right? You'll see a lot of these people have angry parts and self-pity, and that is very unhealthy, right? They have a right to be angry. What happened to them? I mean, yeah, those parts have a right to be angry, but they got to make sure it's not tipping over into a self-pity scale. Feel sorry for me because this happened. No, that's not healthy, right? So. It allows the soul to give permission to feel the pain, right? That's what we want to know here is this, the heart and soul now have permission to feel the pain. And that's when we start healing. We start seeing parts, start working parts out of their pain because they have permission to be angry and they have permission to hurt because something bad happened to them. A lot of times they're closed up and sealed up and not allowed to talk and allowed to cry because they'd be punished. Many times the heart will want to remain numb, okay? We have what's called numb part. you, you probably heard of this. Some person goes, I just wanna die. You know, most Christians go, oh my God, you commit suicide. That's not what the person's saying to you. When a person wants to remain numb, it means there's a part that's holding down all the pressure and all the hurt and pain in life, and they're done with it. They wanna be walked out, but you know, they don't mind dying. It's like, you know, dying's better than holding this stuff down. So it's a different story right? It's just, they're just telling you how they feel and they really don't care if they live or die, but that's a numb part. A healthy process for the heart to express pain is for the individual to share the pain with a prayer minister or a Christian counselor. As a ministry recipient shares his emotions, his soul and heart's feelings are no longer internalized, right? And we want the pain no longer be internalized, but to come up. That's how we work with parts. The pain is no longer compartmentalized. Through this process, the soul must clearly identify and express itself of what happened, right? What happened to you? Why is this part here? It removes a sense of denial and allows the soul to process memories and emotions. And last big thing, it is Jesus that brings full healing. The minister is only along for the journey, right? In spiritual direction, that's all we're there for. We don't bring the healing. It's Jesus. So they must align their heart, spiritual alignment, right? Be Christ-centric and be willing to go through some of these hard trials that bring parts up for healing. And that's what does it. That's how Jesus brings healing. When you're ministering forgiveness, you must discern if the individual's heart and soul are ready for this step. They may not be. So don't push it. Some trauma is so severe that the individual you're ministering to may be considered a survivor. right? associated identity disorder on the furthest spectrum, ritual abuse. The trauma was life-threatening or it was overwhelming. So it was emotional, verbal, physical, sexual, or ritual abuse, right? If the individual experienced a trauma as a child, he might have dissociative identity disorder. And the trauma perpetrator was one or both of his parents, or an uncle, or a next-door neighbor, you know. All of this under the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. There is no process to this ministry. The minister follows in step with what they see Jesus doing in the session. Each person is a unique soul, and each Session is neatly is different, right? Keep in mind, just because something worked for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for the next. That's why these little books on how to help people and stuff—they don't work. That's what corporate deliverance ministry wants to see. I could I could put publish this into a book and cookie cut it, and everything would be fine. No, it's not true. Each soul is different, and each walkout is different. Each deliverance is different. And many times the books don't help you. God knows how to heal His kids. Remember, Jesus heals the brokenhearted. We're just an instrument for bringing Jesus into the session. We ministers are just an instrument. In these sessions, I always minister with Jesus present. I don't answer questions for the individuals. I have their soul connect with the indwelling Jesus and have their soul and the Holy Spirit talk to each other, right? So we'll come in and relax and get what's Jesus telling you about this? I can't connect with Jesus. Okay, we'll try to connect with Jesus. Maybe this part can't connect with Jesus. We have to work with them on how to connect with Jesus, right? There's once we get the the phone call in, the line set up, things start working. They'll see Jesus. Maybe the part may want to go with Jesus. So the part sits with Jesus, right? It's it's A lot of it is 100% getting that part to connect with Jesus. And don't let them connect with their angel. I've seen this SRA a lot. I'm connecting with my angel. No, you're not. You're connecting with Jesus, the true Jesus, right? Because they're going to have a false Messiah inside them running around as a part. And they also have a false Jesus set up to just make it horrific for them to connect to real Jesus so be attentive to that and we'll talk about that down the road more with SRA programming So you see this forgiveness stuff it gets convoluted right it's pretty heavy So my job as a minister is to keep the soul connected to the indwelling Jesus for this, these sessions right I don't answer any questions regarding forgiveness of individuals I direct all questions regarding forgiveness to the wounded soul and have them ask the indwelling Jesus in person in nearly all sessions. It's dialogue between the two, and I stay out of it, right? I'm just there to facilitate and to give spiritual direction and help them connect with Jesus. A lot of times once Jesus is connected the true Jesus, we get the true Jesus, we establish that. I just sit back and just pray quietly as this person connects with Jesus and the walkout happens. And a lot of it's supernatural. It's probably freak out a lot of uh, uh, therapists, too. You do what? And it's like, well, once we connect with Jesus and we establish what the horror was and how to walk it out. We can get Jesus in there and he can bring a lot of healing and tell that part a lot of stuff it needs to know, it needs to hear. So my job is to provide spiritual direction once the meeting in the soul has been completed, right? And this, there's a lot of training here that goes on, so it's not just as simple, right? But I'm telling you this, when we get to this stuff, this is how you connect it, and this is how you, you know, you have to also be aware of what the SRA system is doing internally and how it's trying to fool you, attack you, or throw witchcraft at you. That's another topic. So before the forgiveness can be released, the wounded heart must realize that it has the right to be angry and upset for the offense, right? It has the right to. The heart and soul may also be upset at Jesus for allowing this to happen. Remember the ones that went through the trained up by, you know, trained up by God book, whatever it was? They're angry at Jesus. They don't want to hear about Jesus and have the hardest time. It's easier to work with an SRA person in reestablishing Jesus than it is to work with a, a, a Christian ritual abuse survivor who's had what they thought was a real Jesus, just tainted. So the soul will gravitate to a desire for revenge. Revenge is human nature. This is a natural emotion. The sense of revenge brings a sense of truth that the incidents occurred, right? It confronts thoughts of denial that the offenses actually occurred. However, we don't act on the emotions of revenge, right? We have the soul connect with Jesus, even if it is extremely angry at him. He's big enough to take the harsh words and then heal the brokenhearted of his child right? So if they want to yell at Jesus, let them. A lot of um, religious people go, he can't yell at Jesus. You know? um, Jesus knows. He came to heal the brokenhearted. A lot of times if that person needs to yell at Jesus, he's going to take it, right? He's, he's big enough to take yelling. Oh my God, there's words. to get it off their system so he can go in and minister to them and to their hearts. Understanding pain. Initially, the ministry must focus on understanding the offense that occurred. You must minister and help the individual express their anger or pain, help the soul you are pastoring and understand that the pain and negative emotion doesn't define them. Perhaps they are angry at God, believing he allowed the trauma to happen. Many times with people that are in the far spectrum of dissociative identity disorder, such as ritual abuse, or was Christian, right? Training up your child or stand ritual abuse. They want to know how Jesus just stood around and let that happen to him. Therefore, Jesus must be angry, right? This is what we're calling a false Jesus in there, right? It's programmed in, and you have to work with that, and you have to address it when it it surfaces. And you have to do it in a way that doesn't exasperate the part, but let them listen to you. So identity in Jesus Christ. Help the wounded heart understand the pain for what it is. Help guide the soul from a trapped victim mindset to being one of us fighting survivor. The soul begins to heal as identity gets restored. The individual has an identity from Jesus Christ, and the traumatic, wounded self is not his identity. What's identity in Christ? When you're reborn, you're also reestablishing a Christ-centric mindset. And as you do that, and you walk out through sanctification with Jesus, you start building your identity. Who am I in Christ? How am I like Jesus? What do I do in ministry that's like Jesus? Who am I? Who am I with Jesus in me? That's your um, identity in Christ, right? A lot of people don't know what these are. A lot of these churches, <laughs> corporate churches hand out these, uh, these um, evaluations or tests, personality tests. This is who you are. Therefore you can serve here. And that's not helping them understand who identity in Christ is. Oh my gosh, I got hospitality, but you know, all of a sudden I'm, I keep getting this urge to pray for healing. I'm being pulled towards, you know, I'm praying for healing and them for hospitality, right? But no, the corporate church says, you're right for hospitality. So, you know, it's just be very careful know who you are and I you know dig into that who am I in Christ I know who I am I can answer you know this is what I'm doing I'm on here doing these podcasts I'm not the greatest podcaster I have a face for broadcasting and not for video but this is my passion this is where I'm at and this is where Jesus have me you know Jesus doesn't need me doing this but I get to help you know get the word out and help others who are hurt and that's my identity in Christ patience it's a long walk out with Jesus remember I said I'm working with some people for over 10 years Yes, Ray. yeah. Gauge where the heart and soul are in the healing. If the healing process is slow, let it be slow. Don't exacerbate the wounded heart and soul. Fall in tune to the pace of Jesus and how he's bringing healing. When a wounded soul embraces forgiveness, he will be able to forgive the offenders first and later accept that God forgives him for harboring an offense. However, the hardest thing for the soul to do is to forgive itself. Okay, so... Did you catch that one? So I'm praying. A lot of times it happens with parts too. So somebody says um, I, remember I had a person that came in a while back and talking about their um, the child part came up right away. They thought they were demonically possessed. And they had a child part come up, and I go, "Well, who are you? I'm the liar. Well, why are you the liar? Because I always lied to make my family happy and all this stuff, you know." And I'm the one that does all the lying. I go, well, did you ever ask Jesus forgiveness? He won't forgive me because I'm a liar. I said, well, that's not true. Let's just ask him forgiveness right now. And she goes, I can't even see him. So we worked on her just um, focusing on Jesus, bringing his presence in, that was step one. And when she kind of felt he was there, he he could see it because he just takes over the session, right? I said, now I think you ought to ask Jesus forgiveness. And I waited for a few minutes. She's just crying like crazy. It's a little, woman's probably 40 and she was like a four-year-old crying and so well, how are we with jesus he's forgiven me you know i'm a liar can you do that I go yeah, yeah you can do that what do i do now and i said well here's the hard part of jesus forgave you now you have to forgive yourself for being a liar and she's bawled and wailed again like a little cur. she goes can, is that possible I Go, yeah you have to forgive yourself now jesus forgave you because that that's healing right and just repent and walk out of that that lying lifestyle and that little part did you know and then it's it's taken a while the little part comes in now and then for different sessions And I can see it getting better, 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 right? She's feeling a lot better. But that's what happens. It's it takes a while to walk out. It's a walk out. Just so, just don't you know? Deliverance ministry doesn't handle that. Well, you asked for forgiveness. Demon be gone. Okay, a week later, why are you still harboring? Are you harboring unforgiveness? Because yeah, because they haven't walked it out. You know, it it wasn't a quick snap your fingers, Thanos returned to you know, returned to normal type thing. So. Unforgiveness of self is where the demonic voices will bring torment to the heart and soul trying to heal. The soul will hear internal voices of condemnation, right? We talked about this. He may also read nothing but condemnation as he reads the Bible. The prayer minister should work with the individual in teaching them to shut down these internal spiritual locutions, right? Internal voices. We're going to get to that pretty soon in our St. Teresa of Avila. I think it's in um, six mansions. We're going to talk about locutions, right? There's three kinds there's our own soul, makes it up. There's God who talks to us, and then there's, there's spiritual stuff, whether it's demonic or angels, you know. Either way, we should just avoid the latter, right? Only speak with talking with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and, and processing what our soul has to say. Never push healing. In prayer or counseling sessions, just work with these things as they arise. Never push the healing. Let Jesus lead. If the wound has been open for years, it may take a while for the wound to fully heal, right? It is Jesus that heals the wound and not the minister. Get that straight. That's why I always keep saying I bring Jesus into session. If I'm stuck, Holy Spirit, what's going on here? Bring me a revelation because I don't see what you're doing. Concluding thoughts on forgiveness. The most important thing for a prayer minister to learn is that there is a no-set process for this, right? There's no book. There's no methodology. I used to collect prayers for this and prayers for that, right? Remember, remember talking about my, my lawyer books? I used to show up the deliverance ministers. Um, what i was doing was catering to my lack of faith that i need to do something to bring healing you only need to show up to the session and listen to what the holy spirit's saying let the holy spirit bring revelation on what is going on in front of you if this is a simple deliverance forgiveness issue from a non-traumatic offense then walk the person through repentance and some forgiveness prayers the holy spirit will help you with what you need to say during that session right Is a deliverance one or is it inner healing If you are in ministry session, forgiveness issue is complicated. The prayer recipient will let you know. Listen to what they're telling you and listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling you. If there's an issue with the prayer recipient releasing forgiveness, ask Jesus to give you revelation on what's going on. Jesus, what's happening? Is this a heart wound with diseased attitudes or is this person a survivor of trauma? Either way, just have the faith of a mustard seed, right? And Jesus will bring healing to those that seek it. Even if it's a long walk out, he'll bring healing. They're going to get frustrated. The enemy's going to tell them this is hopeless, right? That's all the enemy already goes, hopeless, hopeless. Why are even going back to that session? It's hopeless. And then you present to the person, like, we've been seeing each other for how many years? Remember when you first met? Remember last year? Remember this? Look, how, oh my God, you're right. Look how far we've gotten. Yep. They don't see it though, right? It's their life because it's just all trauma. It's all programmed to be hopeless. When you point out the hope, it's like, oh my God, right? And this stuff should never happen. It was Jesus. It was crazy. And they agree too, right? Even the angry parts who hate Jesus, Oh my gosh, true Jesus did it. How is that possible? Yeah, (laughs) he shows up. So corporate churches tend to be more aligned to appearance of things rather than spiritual alignment of the souls in the pews. They talk about repentance, but they don't really preach it. Many souls, like my past self, are more concerned about the fire insurance and not really aware of transforming the relationship Jesus Christ wanted me to have with him. So later as we discuss ritual abuse, we will discuss how these fractured souls are programmed to be void of any sense of repentance which is a long path to inner healing Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we have a church we work with. I work with two women ministers. I co-pastor with them. And last year before lockdown, we went through a session of repentance. Oh my God. The SRA parts through fits. They thought it was punishment. Right. And, and when the light bulb went on, the repentance was inner healing and it was liberating. It like it, it, totally through the show but my God you know there was there was phone calls in Washington and all this stuff right like they're teaching repentance you know the, the two things that you'll come across as a satanic ritual abuse survivor is there's no foundation for family life whatsoever so what you think is normal forgiveness normal repentance they have no concept of and they've been programmed against it so never assume that repentance and forgiveness is easy because they have no concept of it and it's been programmed out of them in fact um there's no concept of forgiveness whatsoever there's only you'll see what's families that are sra trigger like at dinner tables and just shout hateful things at each other because it's the opposite of forgiveness it's the opposite of of loving right and these things trigger left and right and everybody gets angry and fist fights happen and stuff and you'll see this a lot in satanic ritual abuse families it's interesting so your idea of normal is not their idea of normal so don't ever go to that scale of yours go to that scale of theirs and work their way up and assume there's no family foundation, there's no biblical foundation whatsoever, especially no foundation to repentance and no foundation to forgiveness. And this will give you a head start in the ministry of helping these people. So I'm just gonna keep it simple tonight. What you may wanna do after this is rather than trigger, if you have somebody you need to forgive, and just go to a quiet place, get a pad and pencil, and ask Jesus, who do I need to forgive? And just let Him bring people to mind. If you're SRA, you don't need to forgive them yet, but or somebody had severe trauma. But ask Jesus how. how show me how, and everything that bad happened to me. How I could start forgiving this person? You know, I don't even want to think about them. Somebody my, might. My, most of my parts want to either wish he was dead or something. But how? How do I open up? And forgive them with knowing I'll never talk to that person ever again. And I don't want you to pick them up and call them a phone call night they'll trigger you, right? And it's not to call them for ask forgiveness, nope. It's a conversation between you and Jesus to show you how to ask for forgiveness and what's your road to forgiveness for these people in your family who hurt you, right? And just, it's just a conversation. It's not pick up the phone. It's not talking to them. It's not engaging them, right? Because I don't want you accessed by them anymore. Just ask Jesus, dear Jesus, you know, show me. Who is I need to forgive, you know? And what what does this look like? I know I'm hurting right now. I may even be in a place to want to forgive them right now. I, that's that's honest to Jesus. I don't want to forgive him right now. Um, I know I need to, okay? And say I know I need to, but I'm not in a place to forgive him. Show my heart where I need to be or what I need to do. Right? Start to forgiveness. Or maybe show me a scripture. Show me lead me to a scripture, Jesus. That I need to understand. And just take it from there. If you have a whole heart right now and you're not divided stuff and you have a heart wound like i said i had him with the pastor say to myself i choose not to be angry at this person whoever that person is and i choose to forgive them and i choose to push out any hateful thoughts any thoughts of revenge any thoughts of doing something bad to them i push that out and i leave at the foot of jesus right now jesus i ask you to bring healing in these areas So that's all I have for tonight. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in. I know these get long, but I don't, there's only going to present this information to you. Pick up the book, A Field Guide to Advanced Spiritual Warfare. It's off Amazon. And just read through it with us and mark up and put notes in the book. I'm going to be sharing a lot more here. Many of you have noticed I added a lot more than what was in the book. I'm, because I don't think it's fair for you guys to buy the book. I'm like, hey, Mike's just going to talk through and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to share new stuff I have and where we're at with this, because my thoughts always change and evolve. And this stuff. So, you know, I thank you guys for tuning in. If you like the show, go ahead and love it and hit the like buttons, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Spotify, Anchor, wherever, just um, help give us the show some momentum. And like I said, and this may be the spot too. We're in COVID, California. I'm on the verge of being locked down again. I am still working with ministering to my people. If you would like to sponsor a survivor you know, go to a field guide to spiritual warfare at blogspot dot site, and there's an M16 Ministries PayPal. You can send like maybe $130 to sponsor one session for somebody. You could send $1,300 to sponsor ten sessions. And yeah, like I said we're trying to stay alive here during COVID, and a lot of my people are are either lost jobs or not working, so we're trying to keep their healing going. And like I said, we're a 501c3 and that would help us out a lot, especially the people I work with, or maybe just want to send some donation towards somebody's healing. I kind of like to get their healing covered so they don't have to pay out of their own pocket for it. And I do have some people I work with on pro bono too, and it's getting to be more and more pro bono (laughs) as our state gets shut down. Um, So yeah, any help we can get would be love you guys. I'm not Begging for money here, something that I used to, you know, I remember it was K Love, the certain K come on, like, it was it sponsorship time? You go, oh no, every five seconds, every song, it's like, send some money. I'm not trying to do that to you guys here. I once listened to something funny. It was some show, another deliverance minister. She had some cool stuff on. It was very political, though. And I guess people quit donating to her. And so she had this one deliverance minister come on saying, everybody's listening right now. It's listening for free. You're stealing from the show. I just died laughing. I was like, oh, God, God, really? No. Here, my show's free. I'm, I'm giving this stuff away because I want to help you. I know some people have deep pockets, too. So if you want to help, feel free to help. If you listen for free, listen for free. I mean, just your, your only price for mission. hit a like like um, number or something like that. I don't care. But, you know, I don't want to make this show the, out there like, a, like sponsor me this, sponsor me that. You know, you guys have been great for helping where we're at. But like I said, if somebody's out there, deep pockets can help the the, the clients I work with. I'd love it. And like I said, go to the Field Guide to Spiritual site and help us out, you know, actually help them out. That's all I'm asking for, help them out. So God bless you guys. And you guys have been amazing. I love you. And if you have more questions, go to a field guide spiritual warfare, Facebook, we have a a page there for that, or a field guide spiritual warfare at blogspot.com and post your comments and questions regarding this or any of the past chapters we've covered. And I'll get this guys out to you guys. God bless you all. You're amazing. Till then, back from the M16 bunker. Amen.